It's really interesting and very apropos for today. In it, you, you sort of uh, uh, try and delineate the difference between bull and and humbug or uh, lying. You say bull is not lying. No, it's not lying. Um, uh, lying consists in believing that you know the truth and saying something else. It's willful. It's willful. And uh, the bull doesn't really care whether what he says is true or false. <laughs> I, it may I should be warn true. you that when they hear the word, uh, it tickles them. I know. I they know. love the word. I know. Especially coming from an Ivy League professor. There's something, <laughs> something special about that, I yeah. know. For me, it's really, it almost classes me up. <laughs> Sadly. I'm glad I can help. Thank you. <laughs> the, the, which do you think is more corrosive to society, the lie or bull? Well, I, I claim that bull is more, uh, a more insidious threat to society because it, 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 um, it undermines respect for the truth, uh, and it manifests a lack of concern for the truth. It therefore undermines our commitment to the importance of truth. The liar um, is concerned for the truth. He just doesn't want it. He uh, is taking care to avoid it. But he has to know it. But to be able to, to lie, you need to know what the truth is to go the other direction. Or at least you have to think you know what it is, right. But the bull doesn't care. At all. He's, 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 he's engaged in a different enterprise. When he's, you say he, you're looking she. at me, and it's not right. It's not right. I didn't say you. No, but I see the eyes. I see. With the he and the... Hi, I'm Dr. Devin Sanchez-Curry, and you're listening to Dialogues, Meditations, and Analyses, a companion podcast for the Problems of Philosophy course I teach at West Virginia University. heard the philosopher Harry Frankfurt discussing his essay On Bullshit with the comedian John Stewart. On today's episode, we'll discuss Frankfurt's essay, as well as the Marxist philosopher G.A. Cohen's criticisms thereof. Our guiding question will be, can there be an illuminating philosophy of bullshit? Can philosophizing about bullshit help us push back against what Frankfurt identifies as one of the most salient features of our culture, namely, that there's just so much bullshit? Our answers to these questions will, as ever, take the form of Notes on Reading On the last episode of the podcast, you heard about Colonel Blimp, a caricature of a bullshitter par excellence, who went around saying things like, We should explain to the natives in India that British troops are there only to protect them from massacre, and if they don't accept that, then shoot them all down. This is, quite transparently, bullshit. But what precisely, fundamentally, makes it bullshit? In attempting to achieve the delicate art of talking at length about bullshit, without myself just bullshitting, I have a guest joining us for today's episode. Dr. Lindsay Fiorelli is an arts and humanities professor at Minerva, with research specialties in aesthetics and the philosophy of language. I've asked Lindsay to break down this week's primary reading, Harry Frankfurt's On Bullshit, which lays out the case that bullshit is essentially marked by the bullshitter's indifference to the truth. After she does that, I'll break down this week's other required reading, G.A. Cohen's reply to Frankfurt's article, titled Deeper into Bullshit, 
which identifies bullshit with unclarifiable unclarity. Once we're deep in the bullshit together, Lindsay and I will try to use philosophical conversation to claw our way back out of it. So, without further ado, here's Dr. Lindsay Fiorelli discussing philosophical accounts of the nature and function of bullshit. Frankfurt's essay on bullshit. He is engaged in the practice of defining what the phenomenon of bullshit is. Um, and so he has a few uh, basic uh, assumptions that he lays out in the beginning of the essay. And, you know, I just want to spell those out real quick. So the first is that bullshit is um, that it exists um, and that there's a lot of it, right? The second is that so far there isn't a precise account um, defining bullshit. Um, I mean, already those two assumptions sort of give motivation, give him motivation for, you know, clarifying this phenomenon, right? Because there is a lot of it and no one else has done it so far. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's this other idea that uh, it's a very general term. You know, people use it to describe a lot of different things. And it's probably not a kind of conceptually rigid uh, uh, phenomenon with these kind of harsh boundaries, right? And that's something that Cohen is going to go back to, mm -hmm. um, right? So even though it is sort of this vague general term, what Frankfurt wants to do is is get clearer on it, um, sometimes in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Okay, so those are kind of the, you know, how, where he's starting out from. And the overarching framework that I see running through the article is a kind of comparative framework, right? Comparing bullshit to things like lying and bluffing and saying, you know, nonsense, for instance, and also comparing it to other dictionary definitions of terms like bullshit, right? So there's, it's very much a, hey, let's look at the kind of conceptual space that there is already carved out for this term. And let's, um, you know, give it a new kind of more rigid conceptual space. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, it seems like the, the, the definition of this term that he ends with is bullshit is something that's produced that's intended to deceive insofar as it pretends to be concerned with truth when it's not concerned with truth. Right. right. So that's that's kind of this kind of uh, definition that he's going to end up with. But it's worth it to think about how he gets there. And the one of the main ways he does is through comparing it to lying. So and this is where I feel like my um, uncertainties uh, are plentiful. So, all right. So what is lying? So when we lie, we have two levels of deception, right? Or two kinds of deception or two dimensions of deception. One is we're trying to get someone to believe that we think something's true when in fact we think that it's false. So this is deception at the level of intentional state or what my state of mind is. Mm -hmm. The second dimension is that I'm trying to get someone to believe that something false is true about the world, about something that I'm talking about, right? Um, and this, you know, this is a pretty unproblematic definition of lying. So um, we'll just go with a kind of easy example. You know, I'm talking to you right now and I tell you, Devin, there's a bird outside my window, a really cute hummingbird, um, which now I wish there was a cute hummingbird <laughs> 
Instead, there's just a dead face on the opposite end of the Zoom call. <laughs> yes. Damn it. Um, so, all right. So there's a little hummingbird outside my window, right? Liar. <laughs> and there are two. Okay. So I'm doing two things. First, I'm making, I'm trying to make you think that I think that there's a hummingbird, right? So you come to a belief about my belief. Um, and it's false. It's a, that's not a true belief because, in fact, I don't think there's a hummingbird outside the window, right? Um, and then the second thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to get you to think that there's a hummingbird outside my window, right? So you're forming a false belief about the state of affairs outside my window. Um, and so there are two kinds of or two dimensions of deception there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's lying. And Basically, what Frankfurt wants to do is he wants to take this definition of lying and use it to clarify what bullshit is and what bullshit isn't, mm-hmm. um, because it's going to have similarities to lying and dissimilarities. Um, and then this is where Cohen, you know, we're going to talk about where Cohen is going to push him on this, um, because I think if he's, you know, if he's wrong in comparing bullshitting to lying, then there are some problems kind of with his overall definition because it rests upon that comparison so much. Right. So actually, let's just try to take that same sentence and clarify how I'm how I might be bullshitting and not lying sure. by saying there's a hummingbird outside my window. Let's say I don't actually know what a hummingbird looks like, right? And okay. yeah. And I'm not even looking out the window, right? Like I'm just saying this and I'm saying it just because we've been talking about birds and talking about how much we love working from home and how part of why we love working from home is because we can, you know, um experience things we can't experience when we're in the office, right? Like we've had this conversation and I just want to add to that conversation with this sentence, right? Even though I don't actually know and I don't really care. If there is a hummingbird outside my window. <laughs> right. Right. So I just say it. I say, oh, yeah, like right now there's a hummingbird outside my window. And so it seems like that's bullshit. Right. Now, I mean, because I don't know if there is. Right. And I actually really don't even care. Right. My goal here is just to kind of contribute in a kind of performative way to our conversation. Yeah, right? good. So when you say there's a hummingbird out my window and you're lying, you're intending to deceive me. You're trying mm-hmm. to make me think there's a hummingbird out there and I think there's a hummingbird out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're bullshitting, you're not trying to deceive me. You don't really care what I end up coming to believe. You don't really care whether or not it's true that there's a hummingbird out there. You're just trying to have something to say because, like, there's a lull in our conversation or you want to seem interesting or whatever. Yeah. The point isn't making me believe something false about the world and about your state of mind. The point is something else. But what makes it bullshit is that that something else has pretty much nothing to do with whether or not it's true that there's a hummingbird out there, right? That yeah. truth is besides the point. And there might be, a, right? Like, there might be a hummingbird outside the window, and I just don't care. Right. Like, that's if what, that's yeah. the case. And that's what you thats what you were just saying, right? So it could be that, in fact, I generate a true belief about the world um, in you when I say that sentence. And I'd be fine with that, right? It wouldn't bother me if, if that were the case. Whereas if I'm lying... There's something odd about that, right? Like if I'm lying and in fact, you know, because I think there's not a hummingbird, but it turns out there is a hummingbird, right? right. And so I've I've produced this this true belief about the world. It seems like if I'm a liar, that should bother me, right? Like it, I should be irked by that because really I wanted to produce a false belief. I don't know if that's exactly what Frankfurt would say, but there's something, you know, there. Whereas with bullshitting, like, okay, that's whatever. 
So it's a true belief. Okay. So it's a false belief. Fine. That wasn't really what I was engaged in. And I think this is where I Frankfurt is really unclear on this. Like, I don't think he does a good job of spelling out what my positive goals as a bullshitter are. What am I positively trying to do as a bullshitter, right? Like, I'm not trying to get you to believe something false is true. I'm not getting you, you know, I'm not trying to get you to believe that I believe something is true when I don't. Certainly, I'm trying to get you to think that I care about truth. Right. That's the deception, right? I'm I'm trying to make you believe that I care about truth value to begin with, right? That I even care whether or not there's a hummingbird. Yeah. So Frankfurt says at some point that bullshit shares that feature with lying yeah, and that yeah. you're trying to like con the other person into thinking you're doing something other than what you're doing, right? In either yeah. case, I guess you're conning them into thinking you're telling the truth when in the one case you're actively lying, you're trying to deceive. And in the other case, you don't really care whether or not you're telling the truth, but you're still trying to convince them that you are. But I wonder whether that's yeah. actually true of all of Frankfurt's examples of bullshitting, right? So he talks about yeah. um, these bull sessions, which are these like, uh, you know, <laughs> gendered <laughs> sessions where a bunch of guys get together and just shoot the shit and just talk about, you know, politics or whatever they want to talk about. And in those bull sessions, they don't really like fact check all their claims or only talk about stuff they have the authority to speak on, right? They're just shooting the shit and they just say a bunch of stuff. And they don't really care uh, whether or not they have the epistemic authority to say all of the things they're saying. Mm-hmm. In a bull session, it does seem like those guys are bullshitting, but it's not clear right. that in bullshitting, they're like trying to con each other into thinking they're doing anything else. So that's one thing I'm definitely, you know, wondering about, it, you know, in that case, it just doesn't seem like it sort of seems like there's not deception at all. Right. Like because there's this there's already this contextual or sort of this framework of, hey, we are just shooting the shit. Right. Right. And I can still be bullshitting, even though I'm not trying to get you to think that I care about truth to begin with. But there definitely is a quote where he says that explicitly that, you know, I am trying to get you to think that I care about truth. So I guess that's one important question is does bullshit require that kind of deception yeah i mean you might think that frankfurt should just say that you know sometimes bullshitters are trying also to deceive in this way but the essence of bullshit is just lack of concern for the truth and so in some sense like these bull sessions are the purest form of bullshitting in that Mm -hmm. they not only don't care about the truth they're not even trying to convince anybody they care about the truth (laughs) the truth is just totally beside the point it's just not what's at stake in these conversations it's not what anybody cares about it's not what anybody even pretends to care about although it's tough because if he says that then he has to admit that the essence of bullshit is not deceptive right because and that would be problematic right because then bullshit if it's not deceptive it's hard to see how it's a problem, right? How it's something that we would really necessarily want to eliminate as a feature of our, our utterances or a feature of our like engagement and conversation. He loses something there, I feel like, if he has to admit that it's not deception. Yeah, it definitely loses like one of the harsh edges that bullshit has. But it seems to me that a lot of politically pernicious bullshit yeah. is pretty like out in the open as bullshit. So like a lot of yeah. propaganda isn't going to great lengths to conceal the fact that it's propaganda, right? It's just trying to make people like feel big emotions about it being great and making you more of a manly man to join the Marines. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's total bullshit, right? They just want you to join the Marines. They don't care whether or not the claims they make in that propagandistic advertising are true or false. They're also not really trying to convince you that they're doing anything other than bullshitting you because they think that just like really powerful imagery is going to get people thinking positively about the Marines, even if everybody knows that it's bullshit, right? No Marines climbing a mountain and slaying a dragon or whatever happens in that advertisement. It's interesting because I agree with you on that, but I don't know if I think Frankfurt can agree you know and it's not just because he he thinks that this idea of um deceptive misrepresentation is kind of i think he takes that to be one of the central features right of bullshit and there's a reason he's comparing it to lying which is that he thinks it's similar and i think there is this if not moral you know uh dimension to it some kind of um negative social dimension or something right you don't necessarily want to lie you don't necessarily want to bullshit Um, Yeah, I think he definitely wants to retain some sense of bullshitting being necessarily bad. Right. And and also, if I'm an effective bullshitter, I am assuming that you don't know that what I'm saying is bullshit. Right. I mean, and that's tough because in the bull sessions, that's a very different kind of example, as you said. Right. We're all bullshitting, even though we know that we're bullshitting. It's tough. I mean, I, I, I think that for Frankfurt, at least a lot of the cases of bullshit that he's talking about are cases of the listener not knowing that it's bullshit, right? That's what makes it effective. And that's that's what makes propaganda effective too. I mean, it's definitely more effective if I don't know that, you know, it's bullshit and I am actually taken in by it, right? I mean, so maybe that's what Frankfurt can say is that, look, it's just, it's bullshit just if it has this lack of connection to the truth. Yeah. Now, all bullshit is bad just in virtue of not being connected to okay. the truth, right? Frankfurt seems to think that um, this epistemic sin of not caring about the truth when you're making assertions is in and of itself a bad thing for society. Mm. But the really malicious forms of bullshit, those are going to marry bullshit and lying a little bit. Because those are going to mm-hmm. include this element of deception where you're lying, at least implicitly, about the fact that you're bullshitting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? You're trying right, to deceive right, right. people into it thinking will... you care about well, the truth I... when really you don't. You're very, you're much more charitable to Frankfurt than I am because I... I'm trying to teach students to be charitable here. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. I can be uncharitable right now. Um, But, you know, because I'm really with Cohen on, like, you know, I mean, one of the things that Cohen's going to say is that Frankfurt is just describing one kind of bullshit yet takes himself to be describing the essence of it. And I'm kind of with him there. I don't know. I think it'd be a problem for him to say, hey... All I really care about with bullshit is that it's not engaged in a concern with truth. Because then it seems like the core of it is this idea of not caring about representation and not deception. Like I I, I took it that the idea of deceptiveness was really fundamental to the idea of bullshit. And, you know, that it's deception at the level of thinking, you know, making you think I care about truth when I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, Frankfurt's trying to do two things in this essay, right? He's trying to define bullshit. And he's trying to highlight how bullshit is a really pernicious force in our society. And it seems like those projects are getting mixed (laughs) up with each other a little bit. I think this is part of what Cohen's drawing attention to. Yeah, in that, um, Part of what makes it really pernicious is that we've got, like, smooth bullshitters who are hiding the fact that they're bullshitting, who have that element of deceptiveness in there, and those smooth bullshitters become politicians and advertisers, and that's really bad for society. 
Um, I think he can hold that, though, while still yeah. holding okay. that the core of bullshit. Insofar as there's an essence of bullshit, it's just lack of concern for the truth mm. on a sort of fundamental level, no matter what, you know, how many layers of deception get, get piled on top of that. He definitely can do that. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's clarified in the article itself, but I agree with you. I think he can. And I don't think that it means that you know, he loses the essence of bullshit if he admits that. Um, you know, I think that, I guess in my opinion, that is more kind of uh, germane to what Cohen is doing or more kind of explicit in what Cohen is doing, yeah. which is why I sort of prefer that article a little bit more. I think that he leaves a lot of um, explicit conceptual space for other kinds of bullshit and other aspects of the definition of bullshit. But I should be easy on Frank. Um, <laughs> I also don't think he does a good job of, of showing that it's pernicious. <laughs> oh, but that's okay. I think that he thinks that we are coming at this article agreeing that it's pernicious. Yeah. That's, I think that that's just a basic assumption. And especially, yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, in addition to what he takes to be the sort of common sense way in which it's pernicious, yeah. he also has this very, like, philosopher's reason for thinking it's pernicious. Yeah. In that... Not caring about the truth is really yeah. upsetting for a lot of philosophers, right? And it just should be automatic, right? He shouldn't, <laughs> in a way, like he shouldn't have to justify that this is an epistemic vice, right? Right. It should be something that the people who are reading his article will agree with, right? There's something problematic about being a part of a bull session and also a philosopher, right? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and yeah, Frankfurt seems to think that, look, bullshitting is much worse than lying, because the bullshitter yeah. just reveals themselves to not care about the truth. Right, okay. Right? So I think one yeah, way yeah, it's yeah. useful to think about this is uh, a little bit of philosophical jargon. Philosophers sometimes like to talk about the knowledge norm of assertion, which is just a fancy way of saying that if you're going to assert something, yeah. if you're going to make it seem like something is true, you better know that it is in fact true. Don't talk out of your ass. Don't just make assertions. You know, you can say things still, even if you just think, but what you should say is, I think it's the case yeah, yeah, that yeah. blah, blah, blah. If you're just going to say blah, 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 you better damn well you know, know blah, yep, blah, blah. Yep. Right? Yep. Frankfurt, I think, goes in for something like this. And what that means is that the bullshitter is worse than the liar in that the liar is flaunting mm -hmm. the knowledge norm of assertion, right? The liar is going against this norm in saying something that not only do they not know to be true, they think to be false. But the bullshitter is just totally disregarding the norm, right? The liar is yeah. using the norm to their advantage in order to pull one over. That's bad. It should be punished, whatever. But the bullshitter is just acting as if there isn't a norm here. And that really yeah. gnaws at Frankfurt's old school philosopher sensibilities. That Yeah, the way that you put that is um, was very clear. <laughs> Better than no, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna like lay off on 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 Harry. Um, but I yeah, I think that you know it is a vice and it is pernicious uh, to not even care about what the world is actually like or what the the topic that you're talking about is actually like, right? And and none, nonetheless, be spouting stuff. There's something odd even just from the you know uh, knowledge norm of assertion or sort of at the philosophical letter level, or it should you know be upsetting to philosophers, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it should also be upsetting to people, anyone, <laughs> sure. right? To, 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 to the average Joe, to not care about truth. And, and it's, but I think it's, it's a combination of not caring about truth 
and nonetheless saying things, right? Like it's, it's the fact that you're nonetheless right. saying things when you don't know whether or not they're true. Right. Yeah, I'm not as convinced that it's a bad thing either for philosophers or for lay people. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that lots of my good friendships are largely built on what Frankfurt calls <laughs> bull sessions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I really I was waiting for you to say that they were that they were <laughs> built on bullshit. <laughs> I think that would be a nice quote to built use against on you bullshit. later. <laughs> <laughs> One of the nice things about friendship is that you don't have to be so damn careful to weigh your yeah. evidence and make sure you're only speaking in accordance with your evidence, right? When I'm just talking with friends over drinks late at night, it's okay if I say some things that I don't know to be true. It's okay if I bullshit a little bit because the point of those conversations isn't to seek truth all the time. The point is just to, you know, get to know each other and express commitments and yada, yada, yada. Okay, yeah. So I think the point of those um, hangout sessions doesn't necessarily have to be to say things that you know to be true. But don't you think most of what you say is stuff that you think is true? Like, I don't know, there'd be some something strange about like, you know, I hang out with my friend Amelia. We have some wine and we're watching the show Friends and we share thoughts about the moral um, evaluation of the characters on the show Friends, right? Mm -hmm. And and we're like, to a certain degree, that is something like a bull session. And I'm just, you know, I'm chatting with her about a TV show that's not even really like a very important, like nothing important is at stake here, right? And I don't necessarily know enough about the show to be making claims that I would then say are absolutely true. But I don't know. I feel like if the next day Amelia told me, hey, like, by the way, I didn't even necessarily think that what I was saying was true. Like, I didn't even think that it was true. I was just shooting the shit with you. I, I have no idea what the characters on Friends are like. I was just trying out some thoughts. That would that might bother me a little bit, right? Like, I don't know if it's necessarily an assumption that she didn't care to begin with. And I feel like if that is the assumption, it should be made explicit as we're hanging out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some concern with truth. There's, there's, there's a concern with what I believe. Right. Right. I am expressing my beliefs to my friend. And if I'm not doing that, I think I should clarify. Otherwise there's something odd going on. Yeah. Good. So you might think that there are conversations in which like the main overriding goal is something other than the search for truth. Even so, you shouldn't lose all connection with the truth when you're engaging those conversations. The knowledge norm of assertion, or maybe some weaker norm that still points assertions towards truth, is still going to apply in the background, no matter what we're talking about. Yeah. Even if, like, not every conversation has to be, you know, uh, Socrates interrogating people with an eye only on truth. Yeah. So the bullshitter is going wrong insofar as they've lost all connection with truth, not just insofar as they've like subordinated truth to other values. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot of things that I'm wondering about, which we probably shouldn't, you know, get into in this, but about like, you know, what are Frankfurt's assumptions um, about utterances, right? There's a lot to be said, like at the level of philosophy of language, where you try to understand what is the aim of an utterance? What is something like a performative utterance like, right? And, and what are the different kinds of performative utterances? I think actually what he says kind of rides a lot on assumptions about um, philosophy of language and sort of semantic value. And, and he's not coming right out and saying it. And I think that actually Cohen is trying to get a little closer to that, right? Insofar as he's trying to say, hey, let's talk about bullshit at the, at the level of utterance and not intentional state. Anyway, I think that it gets a lot more complicated. You can dive even more deeply 
Intuable. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> definitely right. And we here at West Virginia University off, <laughs> offer courses in the philosophy of language if students want to pursue that bullshit more nice. deeply. I do feel a little bit more charitable toward Frankfurt. Good. That's something. Yeah, is there mm-hmm. anything else you want to say to wrap up our discussion of him before turning to um, Cohen? I really like the last sentence of the article. Okay. Because, you know, sincerity itself is bullshit. That's, you know, I uh, was expecting the article to continue, and I I loved that he ended it there. Yeah, in my notes, I have sincerity <laughs> itself is bullshit with just a big question mark next to that. <laughs> I know, me too. What do you think he meant by that? Oh, that people, well, so sincerity has to do with saying what I think is true about my internal states, but I can't even really, I guess what he's trying to say is like, we can't even really know much about what's going on inside our own minds. And we probably know that we can't know very much about it, but nonetheless say things about what we believe. And so to that extent, we're bullshitting. On last week's episode of this podcast, (laughs) we talk about um, Susan Stebbing's argument that what we as philosophers and philosophically minded citizens ought to be doing all the time is looking at each one of our beliefs and trying to figure out what reasons we have for holding that. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned in that episode, one of the background assumptions there is that we have good access to what we believe, right? And that's what Frankfurt's challenging at the end of this article. Frankfurt thinks, no, we're just as mysterious to ourselves as the rest of the world is mysterious to us. So insofar as we're just trying to express what we believe, we're going to be bullshitting a little bit because we don't have access to that. Well, but that, okay, and that's what I think he thinks, but he gets a little loosey-goosey there, (laughs) like, because (laughs) the idea can't be, and this is where I was, you know, when he ended it on that line, I was like, oh, wow, he really needs to say more. Like, I think he loved the way it sounded, and I've definitely (laughs) done that where I end papers last. I get, like, really caught up in, like, that sentence, and I'll edit everything else other than that. (laughs) But anyway, for it to be bullshit, it can't just be that I can't know. It has to be that I don't care, right? right? So... And he kind of loses that clarification at the end, and so it's a little disappointing. Yeah, but, uh. I agree. This is a this is a lesson for student papers, I think, which is yeah. that, yeah, it's awful tempting to end your paper by making some really deep, profound-sounding point, <laughs> when the only way you can get away with sounding deep and profound is the fact that the paper's ending and you don't have to explain yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's turn then to Cohen. Cohen has a couple of goals. One of them is just to quibble with Frankfurt's definition. In particular, he has questions about the distinction between bullshit and lying. But his main goal is to articulate a whole other kind of bullshit. So Cohen seizes on this idea at the beginning of Frankfurt's piece that, look, this is a vague concept. It's used in a few different ways. And Cohen thinks there's actually a more interesting sense of bullshit than the one that Frankfurt has put his finger on. Mm -hmm. His main quibble with Frankfurt, um, as I said, has to do with this distinction between bullshitting and lying. And in particular, Cohen accuses Frankfurt of conflating two things. So first, there's the idea that the bullshitter doesn't care about the truth. And Cohen says, okay, that's good so far as it goes. The bullshitter doesn't care, ultimately speaking, about what's true or false. They've got other aims for the conversation. But Frankfurt sometimes seems to confuse that with the bullshitter not caring about whether the bullshitting causes the audience to believe something true or false. So there's not caring about whether there actually is a hummingbird outside of your window. 
But then there's not caring about whether I come to believe that there's a hummingbird outside your window, right? And even if you were bullshitting when you said that, even if you had no care whether or not it was true, you didn't look out your window, you weren't going to check, you still want me to believe it because it'd be a weird conversation if you didn't get me to go along with what you were saying, right? (laughs) If you were like, "Hmm, I don't know if I believe that there's a hummingbird outside (laughs) your window. And I said, oh, that's fine. I'm just bullshitting anyway. (laughs) Oh, okay. And I'd be very suspicious of the next thing you said, right? So it seems like often, and this has to do with the sort of element of deception that you saw in bullshitting, that you saw Frankfurt not being able to get away from in bullshitting. It seems like even when the bullshitter doesn't really care about the truth they care about what the audience ends up believing about the truth and so there is a real connection with the truth there the same way there's a real connection for the liar with the truth right the liar Mm -hmm. often doesn't really care about the truth either it's just gonna you know get them ahead to tell the lie uh cohen thinks that goes for the bullshitter as much as it's the liar Mm -hmm. so he thinks that the example of advertising is a prime example of bullshitting on Frankfurt's definition in which nevertheless the bullshitter is concerned with what people think the truth is. Yep. Um, so if you think about McDonald's running an ad where the, the little catchphrase is, I'm loving it. The advertisers making this ad for McDonald's are totally cynical. They don't give a shit whether or not it's true that eating McDonald's makes people happy. They might know it's true, you know, people love those hamburgers mm-hmm. and fries. They might know it's false. Like, you know, it makes people obese and miserable. It doesn't really matter. They're going to make that advertisement the same way, no matter what. So they seem to be bullshitting on Frankfurt's definition. At the same time, they care a whole lot that people watching that advertisement come to believe that e- eating McDonald's makes them happy. Yes. Yeah. So they do, the advertisers do care about the truth in this sort of um, secondary sense that they don't care about what the truth is, but they care about manipulating people into believing a certain thing about what the truth is. And that seems Mm -hmm. a whole lot like lying. Or they at least can share that goal, right? That's Cohen's quibble with Frankfurt. In the end, though, he thinks like, look, Frankfurt's onto something. There is like an act of bullshitting that is characterized by a lack of caring about the truth And maybe Frankfurt's analysis should be better, but Cohen doesn't deny that this act of bullshitting exists and that it's roughly characterized how Frankfurt characterizes it. But the fact that it's not that easy to cleanly distinguish that act of bullshitting from the act of lying makes Cohen think like maybe there's a better definition of bullshit out there that more clearly distinguishes what most people are talking about when they talk about bullshit. Mm -hmm. Cohen thinks that in order to achieve this better definition of bullshit, we should focus not on the activity of bullshitting, not on the mental states of the person engaging in bullshit, but rather in the product, right? The bullshit itself, the thing that the bullshitter produces, the statement that comes out of the mouth of someone who perhaps doesn't care about whether it's true or false. Mm -hmm. So for Cohen, there are three classes of statements. There are truths, and there are falsehoods, and then there's just bullshit. Bullshit can be true or false. There's some overlap between it and the other classes of statements. But someone who cares about figuring out the truth should care a whole lot more about the statement being bullshit than whether that bullshit statement is also false or it's also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought it'd be useful here to bring in an example of what Cohen has in mind as bullshit in order to focus our discussion of it. 
Um, so do you know about yep. the Sokol hoax? No. Okay, so Alan Sokol was this physicist who was sort of fed up with the cutting-edge work being done in humanities departments in the 1990s. And so he thought that basically scholars in the humanities were producing a whole lot of bullshit. And in order to reveal this fact, he wrote up an intentionally bullshit article and submitted it to this journal, Social Text, Ooh. and got it published, right? So Social Text is this cultural studies journal. He thought it was a prime site for this, you know, bullshit that people produce, claiming it was scholarship, but really it didn't mean anything. And so he would show that it's bullshit by getting something published that he designed to be bullshit from the oh, start. Oh, I think I did. Right. I think I do know about this. I didn't know that it was called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. Sokol, as I mentioned, is a physicist. So his article was about how really high-level physics can be construed in a way that fits really well with postmodernism and that contributes to progressive political movements, right? And Sokol's <laughs> avowed goal here is to uh, get leftists, get people on the left side of the political spectrum, thinking more clearly and doing less sloppy academic work, because he himself was a leftist, but he thought a lot of these leftist humanities scholars were giving his political movement a bad name by claiming things like high-level theoretical physics have any bearing on, you know, progressive political movements. Mm -hmm. So he wrote this whole article that's just all nonsense, right? So here's a representative quote from Sokol's article. Quote, Catastrophe theory, with its dialectical emphases on smoothness slash discontinuity and metamorphosis slash unfolding, will indubitably play a major role in the future mathematics, <laughs> but much theoretical work remains to be done before this approach can become a concrete tool of progressive political praxis. So there's a whole lot of words in there that mean something in different disciplines, but if you put them together, they don't mean anything, or at least nothing that could be evaluated for its truth value. Mm -hmm. So Sokol says this is bullshit, he gets it published, he takes this as evidence that whole fields in the humanities are bullshit, um, and on the basis of that, he makes two distinct charges. Uh, he's not very good about distinguishing these charges, but he seems to have both in mind. One mm -hmm. is that loads of humanities academics are Frankfurtian bullshitters. And that loads of them don't even care about the truth. They're wrapped up in postmodernism or subjectivism or relativism or all these other fashionable isms. And even explicitly in their writings, they denigrate the truth. Sokol is a mm -hmm. sort of old school academic on long Frankfurtian lines and thinks this is just the worst thing ever that people don't care about the truth. But he also thinks that not everybody is this cynical, not everybody actually hates the truth who's producing this kind of work. Some bullshitters are producing this bullshit just because, you know, they like the field of cultural studies, they're trying to produce commentaries on modern American culture, and the discipline as a whole has really lax methodological standards and a general culture of humanists accepting conclusions that support their political projects. And so that means that these scholars are prone to produce work that is bullshit, even if they actually do care about the truth. They're trying their best to say things that are true, mm. so they're not Frankfurtian bullshitters, but what they end up producing is bullshit anyway. I don't quite see how that works. If you're doing your best to be concerned with truth, yeah. it seems odd to me that you would then accidentally produce bullshit. So this is just a question I had about Cohen, because he says that there can be accidental or unintentional bullshitters. Right. I'm not, I mean, how can you unintentionally not care about truth? So here's one right? way is just by repeating what you're told. 
So think about the, the publisher of social text. So Sokol sends in this quote, catastrophe theory is a lot of theoretical yeah, work that remains yeah. to be done before it can become a concrete tool of progressive political mm-hmm. praxis. Sokol is being totally cynical in writing this. He's not writing this with a concern for it being true. But the publisher is putting this into print and disseminating it, thinking that it might well be true, right? That it's an important contribution to social theory huh. for mm-hmm. Sokol mm-hmm. as well as for Cohen. Right. That's bullshit. (laughs) That publisher is putting bullshit out there, even if the publisher has totally good intentions in mind. I see a bit of a distinction between the publisher and Sokol. I do. I do see that. To me, it's not a different kind. It's not very much of a distinction. So I think I it seems to me the publisher isn't caring about truth. Right. If the publisher cared about truth what they would do is investigate that sentence and try to understand it and figure it out, right? So, I mean, in this very loose sense, yeah. maybe they, for some reason, they trust Sokol, so they just are just going to trust what Sokol says. But to me, that's not a very tight connection with caring about truth. And it's certainly not the connection with caring about truth that philosophers tend to care about, right? So to me, it's not all that different. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I think there's an objection to Frankfurt lurking in what you're saying in that we talked earlier about how um, Frankfurt needs bullshit to be like a total lack of connection with the truth, right? In order to avoid charges that like he's ruling out a bunch of conversation that's perfectly good, friendly conversation where just like things other than the truth are valued more than saying the truth. Mm -hmm. That can still avoid being bullshit insofar as there's some connection with the truth left. Right. But here, it seems like in order to still class this as bullshit under Frankfurt's definition... Uh, like what the publisher's doing in the Sokol exactly. case, there yep. has to be yep. more of like a gradient scale where there are degrees of concern for the truth, yeah, right? Exactly. And the less you concern, for, you, you care about the truth, the more bullshitty you are. But if you accept that, then it seems like, well, okay, then a certain amount of bullshitting is going to be fine. And it's just, you cross some threshold for bullshitting and that's when it gets pernicious and a whole lot of stuff Frankfurt Little, doesn't even yeah. touch on. Well, yeah, and it also, at that point, once you get that sort of... um that spectrum, right, of different kinds of bullshit. It gets so much messier. You end up with really messy. (laughs) No, you end up with this very messy concept. And I feel like what Frankfurt wants to do is make it not messy, right? I mean, that's one of the things that he says in the beginning of the article is that it is a really kind of confusing concept that's used in a lot of different ways. Let's get clearer on it. I think that's a really excellent way of capturing Cohen's biggest problem with Frankfurt. Exactly. Right? Yep. Because Cohen says, okay, I get how Frankfurt's onto something here, but it is messy and it's not as eagerly distinguished from lying as Frankfurt seems to think. And also maybe it's more of a sliding scale than this absolute thing. So Cohen is gonna just totally put aside that Frankfurt definition of bullshit now and introduce this other definition of bullshit that he thinks cleanly captures what's going mm-hmm. on. For Cohen, yep. a statement is bullshit independent of the intentions or other mental states of the person uttering that statement. So they can be totally concerned with the truth and just totally confused, or they can be totally unconcerned with the truth or anything in between. What makes something bullshit is the statement having certain properties as opposed to the utterer saying the statement with certain intentions. And and when we get to, you know, what those features of the statement are, right? It seems like it's sort of neither true nor false, right? It could be, it's sort of, it's so not, it's nonsensical. So you can't, and this is, well, I mean, you were probably going to get to this, but where he says, you know, if you add, you can add a negation 
sign to the sentence and it's not going to make a difference in terms of its plausibility. I mean, is this what he's saying? It doesn't have a truth value? Yeah, he's not. He doesn't go so far as to say it doesn't have a truth value. He thinks that some bullshit statements are going to lack truth values. They're just going to be total nonsense. Other ones are going to happen to be true. Other ones are going to happen to be false. He thinks ultimately Frankfurt's right that what makes a statement bullshit is some kind of lack of connection to the truth. But there's a particular kind of bullshit that has a particular kind of lack of connection to the truth that he's most interested in. Cohen or Frank Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lack of connection to the truth in that a statement's like illogical or there's just so much obvious evidence that goes against it or it's wildly speculative. And Cohen wants to say that's all bullshit, even though some of those statements can be simultaneously true or false. If it's wildly speculative and you're saying it, it's bullshit, even if it happens to be true. But Cohen's more interested in one particular kind Mm -hmm. that he thinks he can nail down with more precision than Frankfurt nails down his brand of bullshit. And in particular, he says that the kind of bullshit he's interested in is marked by quote unquote unclarifiable unclarity. <laughs> I hate that phrase. <laughs> I mean, that has to be a tongue in cheek. He had to have picked that phrase just to be a little bit of a monster. Yeah. Like, but- <laughs> I mean, we're already dealing with like a couple of grown men constantly tittering over using a swear word in philosophical conversation. I mean, right. right. I think one of you were talking about Cohen's motivations, and I think one was just to be able to use the word <laughs> yeah, bullshit a certain number of times. I mean, genuinely. Like, anyway, but another yeah. one is to clearly define the kind of bullshit that's going down in the so-called yes. hoax. And that's that it's not only unclear what's meant by that quotation from Sokol, it's also unclarifiable. You can't sit with that text for any length of time and figure out what it means, right? It's not just unclear because the writing's bad. It's unclear because there is no point to be clarified there. Mm -hmm. And Cohen says there's several ways for a statement to be bullshit in this respect. It can be unclear prose that you can't make heads or tail of, but it can also be super clear prose where the point's totally obscure. So it doesn't have to be a monstrosity like catastrophe theory with its dialectical emphases on smoothness slash discontinuity, yada, yada, yada. It can be something Mm -hmm. like, Love is just a word. (laughs) Cohen says statements like love (laughs) is just a word are paradigmatic instances of bullshit because they can be read one way and be true, but totally uninteresting. The word love is just a word. Or they can be read another way and seem really interesting, but also be obviously false. Love is just a word. If you don't think it's referring to the word love, you think it's referring to the phenomenon love. That can catch you as really interesting until you think about it for a minute and realize, oh, no, that must be false. The phenomenon love is, you know, it involves emotions and relationships and yada, yada, yada. It's not just a word. Right. Isn't what makes that bullshit? I was assuming that what makes that kind of sentence bullshit, but maybe I'm using Frank. I think I might be accidentally dripping into um, dropping into Frank Uh here. Is that it like it sounds so profound, but has no real like meaning, I mean, right? Isn't it that it, it has this sound of, oh my gosh, what a poetic, important thing to right. say. And then when you investigate it, it kind of is meaningless. So it's sort of that combination. I think that's that's that, what makes it uh, potentially pernicious bullshit again, right? Right. right. What makes it, what I know, makes it the kind yeah, of bullshit that somebody might actually go in for is that it sounds profound. Right. What makes it bullshit, according to Cohen, is just that there's no point there. 
right? Okay. If you try to locate okay. the point, there's no point to mm-hmm. be located. Like he just semant. I mean, so it, this this goes back to him just investigating it as an utterance, That's right. right? As a sentence. So so I still don't quite get how you can have that kind of bullshit unintentionally. Let me put it this way: How can someone who is concerned with truth? accidentally say something like that i mean i know people who have smoked a lot of weed in their lifetime who would totally sincerely say love's just a word man where they're trying they're not only bullshitting like they've convinced themselves that they're saying something profound as well as trying to convince me that they've said something profound but that's and for cohen you don't have to have the intention in order to be a bullshitter for frankfurt they would have to be unconcerned with truth to be a bullshitter for Cohen, all that matters is that what's coming out of their mouth is bullshit, no matter how well-intentioned they are. And how do we know it's bullshit? Mm. Well, apply the test you mentioned earlier. Can we add a negation and change the meaning, make it any more plausible or less plausible? Love is just a word, man. Versus love isn't just a word, man. You could see mm-hmm. either one being uttered in a in a semi-profound way. And on reflection, you know... Neither of them have a real point. That is a clear yeah, mark for Cohen. Yeah, it's tough, though, because that's they're... bullshit no matter who's saying, no matter what their intention is, no matter no matter how self-deceived they are. Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's hard because I think that that example, that example is, a, is a good example for sure. But it's also a case in which um, you've got uh, a word that means two different things, right, um, just by its own dictionary definition. Right. So. I, there really are two claims or two potential claims or two potential assertions in that one utterance. And I think that is part of what's making it right. Like one of them. So one of them is really love is short for the word right. love. Right. So if you pulled out these two claims, you'd actually have two sentences. Right. The word love is just a word. And the phenomenon of love is just a word. And and the first one is true and the second one's false. And so I don't to me, it's sort of there is no it's not bullshit then right because there there is a truth value that you would apply to each of those i think for cohen it's supposed to be bullshit because the point the 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 sort of phantom point the point that isn't there but appears to be there at first is neither of those statements that appear once you clarify it one way or the other yeah right both of those statements have a point they're either a false point or an uninteresting point but they're both a point the statement that doesn't have a point is the unclarified statement that's unclarifiable in the sense that if you clarify it, you've lost like the supposedly profound thing that was supposed to be communicated in the first place. You know, it's well, okay. Yeah. Although then it sort of makes then the way that you're treating the sentence of love is just a word, right? The way that you're treating that is sort of almost as this kind of poetic expressive sentence. And that's problematic because that that is not bullshit for Cohen, right? Um, there is a kind of, you know, suge- I think he uses the word suggestiveness in poetry that makes it not bullshit. So then I get a little bit, right, like a little bit confused because if the very thing that's sort of unclarifiable in the sentence love is just a word is this kind of like overarching profound point, then why why are we not just treating it like poetry? Because it's it's really bad poetry if it's poetry there isn't actually suggestive of anything right Mm -hmm. you don't actually hear that and like understand love better in some unclear way i mean i'm trying to (laughs) trying to understand love love better love is just a word
Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm, I'm mostly just trying to play devil's advocate. I guess my point is that I don't think Cohen is all that precise in determining, in, in treating the utterance itself. I mean, this just gets back to like, you know, philosophy of, of language mm -hmm. stuff where I think that, hey, you know, um, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't think it would be all that crazy if someone said to Cohen, I can totally clarify the sentence love is just a word. Right. I, and I can do that by pulling it out into two claims, right. one that refer and, the, and they have different reference. It, it's not unclarifiable. And then Cohen would respond, OK, but look, the thing that I'm saying can't be clarified is this other implicit thing that I can't actually mention <laughs> and I can't put a name to this other overarching thing that the sentence is trying to get to. And I and I agree that that's something that Cohen would say. But I mean, at that point, it, it's tough. It's tough for me to get on board with that. Right. Like and then and then especially carve out a space for it that doesn't make it like you're where you're not treating it as poetry. But what what like, makes it what tough kind is of that you're trying to say cogent things about what is in the end just bullshit. Right. It's tough because, mm. yeah, you can't clarify it. So it's really hard to talk about in any sort of cogent way, because it itself is unclarifiably unclear. Uh, I mean, I agree. <laughs> it's just, it's frustrating because then the very, uh, that just goes to show that the concept of bullshit itself is hard to be precise and philosophizing about, yeah, right? Good. But I also think that that means that it's all, it's hard to object to someone like Frankfurt and Cohen because they're engaged in this very project of like, hey, the reason I can't describe what the sentence love is just a word is trying to do is because it's bullshit. And it just seems like a cop out. Well, Frankfurt, Don't you think? Frankfurt picks up on what you were just saying and uses <laughs> it as a, as a critique of Cohen in his reply in that he says, wait a minute. Oh, do you have a self undermining view? here you said that a bullshit statement is one that's unclarifiably unclear then you said i can't yep, really yep, say yep, exactly yep. what i mean by clarity <laughs> right yeah. uh and i've got this sufficient condition yes. for being unclear you know you negate it it doesn't change yeah. it but that's not going to work for all cases it's merely sufficient not necessary yeah uh and in the end like you know you know it when you see it if it's unclarifiably unclear well, and Frankfurt says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Doesn't that mean your account <laughs> of bullshit is unclarifiably unclear in that yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. explain it other than saying you know it when you see it and thus uh, isn't your account itself bullshit by its own standards? But I think we can even say something more gentle than that too, which is, hey, your whole project, like you said that, I, you know, he, Cohen said that Frankfurt <laughs> right. wasn't illuminating this concept, right? And so- Cohen's whole aim is to take one kind of bullshit and clarify it, right? To make it a lot more obvious to us what it is. And it's this feature of the utterance, but then he can't do it, right? And so, God, now I'm, I started out by agreeing more with Cohen and now I agree with Frankfurt more. <laughs> but I think he ends up in the same place that he accuses Frankfurt of ending up in, which is that, in fact, he's not brought us much more close to understanding it. And he kind of just ends by assuming that we'll know what he means. This brings me back to like one of my main gripes with both of these essays is they need more examples. Like I would love it if Cohen just had a list of examples of statements of bullshit and analyzed for us what was going on in each of those cases. But he doesn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I think one takeaway is that bullshit is a really slippery phenomenon. It's slippery for... <laughs> I'm just picturing <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, slippery, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you said it <laughs> it's slippery for the theorist right 
Neither of these guys seems to have a bulletproof theory of bullshit. But it's also slippery just for us going about our daily, you know, political lives and trying to detect bullshit, trying to figure out when advertisers are bullshitting us, when politicians are bullshitting us, on either of their accounts. On Frankfurt's account, bullshit is a statement made with a total lack of concern for the truth. But as the sort of comparison with lying and the charge from Cohen that he doesn't clearly distinguish it from lying shows, like, it's not really easy to figure out when somebody has a lack of concern for truth and when they are concerned with truth, but there's just other stuff getting in the way. Yep. But then on Cohen's account, bullshitting doesn't have anything to do with mental states. That seems like a step in the right direction. We don't have to read people's minds in order to know whether they're bullshitting us. But there's still this claim that, well, what makes it bullshit? Well, it's not only unclear, right? It's not just that you don't understand it. It's unclarifiable. No matter how much work you put in, you're not gonna understand it. And that's really hard to figure out too, right? How do I know for any given instance of text whether it's merely unclear or whether it's unclarifiable, whether there is no point to be discerned there? And it's, right, you, you can't know it, right? I mean, you can't, you can't possibly know that something has the feature of not being able to be clarified. Yeah. The most you can know is that it's not clarified. It's easy for us as philosophers and for Cohen and Frankfurt, like, sniping at each other as philosophers to take this slipperiness to be mainly a problem with these accounts, right? And to think that, like, if we had better accounts, then we wouldn't have these questions. But I wonder if it's more of a problem with bullshit just is a slippery phenomenon, and so any account of it is going to be slippery, too. Yeah. It just is the case that we're never going to be sure whether any given utterance is an instance of bullshit. We might know clear cases when we see them, but there's going to be a lot of cases where it's just hard to figure out whether we're talking about Frankfurt-style bullshit or Cohen-style bullshit. I guess then I wonder, this is a terrible <laughs> thing to say toward the end of this, but okay, then what what are the articles doing? I mean, and that's just being unfair because, of course, Frankfurt is illuminating a kind of bullshit that has to do with this big, you know, this epistemic vice of not caring about truth. And I do think, you know, Cohen helps us understand, you know, a sentence being bullshit. I guess if they aren't able to to get clearer than that, I don't know how much close. I sort of feel like both of the articles are sort of leaning on our own assumptions about what we already take bullshit to be. And I think that's tough because what it seems to me they're trying to do is go a lot further than that. But I also, you know, when it comes to Cohen Especially like Frankfurt, I can see that he's trying to carve out this space that isn't identical to lying, isn't identical to bluffing, right? Um, Is something slightly different, maybe, than what Wittgenstein would call nonsense. With Cohen, if we think of bullshit as like, you know, the kind of sentence, you know, when, when you add a negation to it, it doesn't change it. And the examples that I think of seem just to be examples of nonsense. Like, I don't, I don't quite know how what Cohen is getting at is something different from a sentence being nonsensical, a sentence not having any kind of truth value. And the only way I think that that Cohen can really clarify that is by appeal to the intentional state. You know, I don't know about the sentence love is just a word. The cat and jingle bells. Something, something, something. Like, right, a sentence that, like, liter- that has no real truth value. You can't really make sense of it. Um, you know, the cat and jingle bells coffee. Mm-hmm. Something like, something that Gertrude Stein mm-hmm. would write. Um It's just that that's nonsense, right? It's just that there is no truth value to it. How is it bull? I mean, how is it bullshit unless by bullshit we mean that I'm trying to say something profound or I'm pretending to say something. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know how Cohen doesn't end up in the kind of place that Frankfurt was in with, 
you know, appeal to the intentional state. So I think Cohen would say that all nonsense is bullshit, right? It has to be insofar as it's unclarifiable unless it's like poetry and really suggestive or whatever. But otherwise, all okay. non-suggestive <laughs> nonsense is bullshit. Um, but there's also bullshit that's not nonsense, that is true or false, but right. that just floats free of the truth in some other way, right? So he gives these examples of like, the evidence is just all against the statement, but you're saying it anyway. There, it's not unclear what you're saying. You're saying a very clear thing that's very clearly false. Or maybe you're saying a very clear thing that's very clearly true, but in a situation where it's like, why would you, in the middle of this like really important conversation, oh, yeah. just bring up you know, uh, the fact that uh, your grandmother used to eat waffles every Sunday, right? It's just totally irrelevant, <laughs> right? Cohen would say these things are bullshit because it's unclarifiably unclear what the point of saying them is. So there, but so that that's not a feature of the utterance itself. Yeah, right? he seems to think it is, but but I think you're right to push back. Yeah, I don't think it. I mean, to me, it's a feature of the relation between the utterance and the context. Right. And I, and then I'm sort of like, that's not all that far away from what Frankfurt is doing, um, or the kind of bullshit that Frankfurt is talking right. about, to be more precise. No, in the end, I agree with you I mean, that that um, yeah, you know. There are questions to be mooted about both of these yeah. accounts. Um, I think they're still both really worthwhile articles in that yeah. for clear and central cases, they do really grasp what I'm talking yeah. about when I call something bullshit. Neither of these discussions of what bullshit is struck me as like, huh, that's weird. That's not what I mean by that word. It's like, yeah, sometimes I say something's bullshit and I mean that the person saying it just doesn't care about the truth. Other times I say something's bullshit. What I mean is that it's, you know, basically nonsense. No, I agree. And so I think it's useful for getting more clear on diagnosing evident cases of bullshit. What the accounts don't do, what I think we'd need future philosophical work to do, um, is give us a better way of discerning less clear cases of bullshit. And you might think, we talked about this a bit earlier with regard to deception, that the less clear it is that something's bullshit, the more pernicious it's going to end up being. And so maybe we're still awaiting the philosophical account that really sheds some light on those really, really pernicious cases. I agree. One other thing I would say is there's something useful about taking a word that's really overused, right, um, or very loosely used, and treating it as something worth investigating philosophically, um, especially when that very word describes a phenomenon that's entrenched in society. And even now, you know, it's a very pertinent thing. I mean, I, a lot of people claim that certain politicians are spewing bullshit, and it's worthwhile to treat that more seriously. Well, you know, what does that, actually, what does that mean? Right. They're they're not just lying. There's something about so and so when they speak where they actually just don't care about what they're saying being true or not. I think that it's 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 good to treat something like that sort of pernicious phenomenon in a really serious way. And so I do think that the articles are valuable for sure. And they're just fun. See, you started out this, <laughs> this conversation being, in your own words, uncharitable to Frankfurt. And I think we've brought you around to being a Frankfurtian. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I agree. I kind of like what he's up to. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Lindsay. Thanks, Devin. Thanks again to Dr. Lindsay Fiorelli. Happily, we'll be hearing more from Lindsay later in the semester. Next week, we'll see that accusations of bullshitting have been with Western civilization for thousands of years. Socrates, 
the man widely acknowledged as being the first Western moral philosopher, was put to death largely for being an alleged bullshitter. That's what we'll talk about next week on episode 5 of Dialogues, Meditations, and a